the Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Eric, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. In this message, Pastor Eric shares the teaching on death and the hope that a Christian has beyond the veil. Following the message, take a look at the episode description where you can find scripture references, as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. water baptism this month is uh, some pretty essential doctrines to the Christian faith. We plan out what's going on uh, preaching-wise up to about six months in advance, some a little bit further, almost a year for some other things. So none of this is without happenstance. And uh, today I happen to be preaching on death. Uh, Wow, awesome. We're preaching about death. The curtain call Finding Hope Beyond Death's Veil. And I was writing this uh, in the operation waiting room this week, uh, which is kind of weird that that's how how it all worked out, but uh, as my wife was having surgery. And so I have started with this uh, fact, this fun fact, that hopefully will start our morning off right. And that is this. You're all going to die. Hebrews 9.27 says, just as a man is destined to die once, and after that, we're all going to face judgment. The question is, when will you die? And some people like to know how they're going to die. We can, we can, we can figure out how you're going to die with some, with some tables here. Uh, the top 10 ways in which people die is number 10, suicide, influenza, pneumonia, kidney disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, stroke, chronic lower respiratory disease, Unintentional injuries, I don't know what that is, Uh, cancer, and then the number one reason that uh, people die, what they die of, is they die of uh, heart disease. And so, well, that is unless we're raptured, right? That would be nice. And rapture is is, uh, when God says, okay, we're wrapping this thing up. All of you who have died in Christ, your physical body gets raptured. So your bones, I guess we're going to start here. Your bone, when you die, uh, your bones remain in the ground until uh, the rapture. And then at that, your body comes out of the grave. However, to be absent from the Lord, to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. So that means when you're at the cemetery, you're at the graveside and you're crying over grandma or mom or someone that they're not there. That's just simply the car they drove while they lived here on earth and that car stopped working. And most people, if your car stops working on the side of the road, you don't sit in it forever. You get out and you go, I'd like to go on. And that's what happens. And so when you die, your spirit, your soul goes on to be with the Lord, but those bones remain there until the Lord says, okay, the trumpet blast of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That doesn't mean the Lutherans. That just means those of you, I can say that I used to be a Lutheran. Everybody relax. I'm not dissing anybody. The dead in Christ. Those who have died in Christ, their, their bones are taken up first. And then those who are alive and remain, we will be caught up and be with the Lord forever in the air. And that's the rapture. And so there is that opportunity for us. That's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord 
forever. I uh, uh, was recently near an ocean. I love the ocean. Um, I don't know why the Lord has me here in Illinois, so far from the ocean, but better to be where you're supposed to be than where sometimes you want to be, right? What I'm saying? And so, uh, so I love the ocean. And the interesting thing about the ocean is when you stand on the shoreline, you know, and you'll see a, maybe a, a ship or a boat go by or they, or they take off and they go out. After about, I think it's seven or eight miles, they're over the horizon. You don't see them anymore. Now you can see further, obviously. You can see further because you can see the sun, the moon, and the stars. But because of the curvature of the earth, sorry, flat earthers, but because of the curvature of the earth, um, this, this, this boat disappears. Now, it disappears to you, but is it really gone? No, you just can't see it anymore. And that's what death is. Death is when you have traveled so far out at your 80, 90, 100 years old, you've, you've traveled and now all of a sudden you just go beyond the horizon. In, in uh, the world of theatrics, and um, I was gonna pull this curtain shut, but I'm not gonna do that today. But you, you realize if you've ever been if you've ever been like in a high school play or a college play or something like that, or you've gone to a play, the, the, play, happens, the play happens up there. And th- they act and, and uh, um, you, you're a caricature or you're, you're someone other than yourself. You're Samuel Clemens, you're somebody from the 18th century, you're from a Shakespearean play, whatever. And you're up there and you do all that. And then what happens is the curtain closes. Curtain closes. But then... The curtain call is where they open the curtain or they come through the curtain, that little slice in the curtain, and then they are who they are. They're not that character anymore. They are who they really are. They've they've come through the veil, watch this, they've come through the veil into what is reality. In the late 1500s, 1599, 1600, William Shakespeare wrote a play and he said, the whole world is a stage and we are the players. Meaning what we're doing right now, we are on a stage and the Lord is watching us. Someone, uh, one preacher I heard once, he said, earth is the front porch of heaven. And then when you pass through, when you come through that slit in the curtain, it's your curtain call. And you will be rewarded, applause wise in the natural, but in the spiritual realm, you'll be rewarded by what you've done, how well you did. All roads, every path that is represented in this room this morning, your life, where you're going, your career, your home, your family, where you've moved to, how you live, all of those roads, we're all on a very different path. And so, well, all roads lead to heaven. That's not true. However, all roads lead to death. (laughs) Imagine a great big funnel. You will not escape death. In the sixth century, one of the oldest Western monastic uh, gatherers, gatherings of monks in a monastic, in a monastery setting, is uh, we, we uh, and I wanna say Catholic, but there wasn't a Reformation yet. We're talking uh, St. Benedict, and we happen to be on the Benedictine campus, St. Benedict right? A Catholic deal. But I mean, they kind of laid claim to Benedict, but I mean, he was born in the 400s. He started his 
monastery. He started with 12. He wanted to be a lawyer. Um, his parents sent him to school to be a lawyer. And, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to love God, and I want to go after God. This is in the 6th century, ladies and gentlemen. Watch this. This is 1,000 years before the Reformation. Let's just get a little timeline together. A thousand years before 1517, we're talking five, six hundred. This is Saint Benedict. And uh, he just wanted to get in touch with God. And he started a monastic order, which eventually ended up being the Benedictine monks. Are you tracking okay with me? All right. And so uh, there's an interesting thing about uh, the Benedictine monks. They would go and, and being monastic, they cloister themselves away. In fact, he lived three years in a cave out in the wilderness. He was born in Italy and all this, well, not Italy because there was no Italy, but you know what I'm saying. It was that region. And so uh, he, he set up some rules. He set up rules of life, which is something I'm looking into right now. It's, it's an interesting thing, um, but I won't digress there. But one, one of the ways that they identify themselves, first of all, they all wore black. The traditional color of a Benedictine monk is black. Why is it black? Because it needs to remind them of their death. There's something about being reminded of your mortality that uh, brings clarity to your life. And every day they would go in and they would pray in the monastic Benedictine um, uh, monastery. And then when they went into the room, there was a place that they could kneel and there would only be three things in front of them. They would take a candle because there was no electricity. They would take the scriptures and they would have a human skull. <laughs> Why on earth would you go into a dark room? Obviously it's dark because it's inside and you don't have electricity. You take a candle so you can read the scripture and here before you is an actual, not this, but as, <laughs> relax. <laughs> Amazon, just saying, Amazon, okay. Um, this is a reminder of you as you kneel and pray that you're standing on the front porch of heaven. You've not gone through the curtain yet. You're wearing your black robes and everything that you're doing is not for here, not for now, but for what eternity. We say, well, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna spend eternity. You can't spend something that has no quantity. It's endless, it is forever. You will be there forever. And how you live, this little blip called your life will determine your curtain call. What happens to you? And what do you need in this life to make sure that you make it there? Because we're all in a funnel. You ever, have you ever been to, back in the day, there was one at the mall and every once in a while you'll find one. They're like big, old, uh, satellite dishes, but you slip a quarter like on the top edge of it and then it goes around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you know what I'm saying. And then it goes and it drops in the bottom. That's your life. That's my life. What do we need in this life to prepare to go through the curtain? I would submit to you we need simply the light of his word. We need the word and we need to be reminded of our mortality. I mean, this world, this world is so fixated on being young, aren't they? I see, some, I see some Hollywood movie stars sometimes and their face is pulled so tight they can hardly smile. Their eyes are just little slits. And my wife said, well, well, look, she looks nice. I said, the woman is the same age as you, Cheryl, and she doesn't even have a wrinkle on her forehead. 
because we idolize being young. But the reality is we're all going to die regardless of how much collagen you shoot in your face. This, this place, and these were, these were Catholic uh, women. These were, this was a nunnery. And I don't know if that's the right word. Is that the right word? Nunnery? Close enough. I checked with my resident Catholic, Chad, on the front row. Um, former recovering Catholic. And, and, uh, but here's the deal. Because of all the stuff we had to go through to purchase this property and, and all, all the checking, and it hadn't ever been bought, I mean sold. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like you had, what do you call it when you, when you do the title work? You do the title where you have to, no, I mean, it just has always been this. So it's really interesting. And I don't know, this is really crazy, but right out here where the basketball court is, used to be a cemetery. They exhumed all the nuns not recently, but they dug them all up. Um, they didn't want a cemetery and they moved them out to, I forget where it's at, but here in town. So there used to be a cemetery right out there and they, and they dug them all up. But this thing about the Benedictine uh, monks, as, as, we, as we think about death, and because he's, he's the patron saint of Europe, he's also you know, brought all of that and his ways to the Western culture, really. That's why we, we kind of epitomize him. There were some earlier monks than him, but he's kind, of the, he's kind of the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph of Catholic monks, again, a thousand years prior to the Reformation. And he, at, at, the, at many, many monasteries, I'm not gonna say all, and it's not, not categorical, but many, many monasteries, you know what? At the grave, this is so far down the rabbit hole, but it's fun. At, at the grave, at the, where, where you, let's say we're all in the monastery, we're all Benedictine monks. And right out there is, they always dig the next one. You know what that means? That means every day when you walk the grounds, there's a, there's a hole. None of you have died, but there's one waiting for whoever's next. That's tradition. That's tradition. Um, if you ever go to Rome, try to get into the catacombs, 150,000 Christians buried underneath the ground there, and uh, there's a sign over this ossuary that reads, what you are now, we used to be. What we are now, you will soon be. <laughs> really trying to brighten your day up here today. I know I'm feeling you coming back at me with lots of energy, but you need, I think, part of understanding how awesome life is, is to realize how finite it is, how short it is. Some of you buried loved ones last year. Some of you will bury loved ones this year and you don't know who it is. So after you die, according to Hebrews, then what? Well, there's a judgment that's coming. That's what it's clear. But here's the thing. There's judgment for believers and there's judgment for unbelievers. So everyone that dies will be judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10, speaking to believers, says, for we must all be appear before the judgment seat. The word judgment right there in the Greek is pronounced bima. Have you ever heard of the bima seat? Yeah. Joey has. <laughs> That's the bima seat. That's where we will go. And each one will receive what is due him for the things done in his body. So God's keeping track 
And you will be judged. It's not like, oh, I get in and it's all honky. No, you will still stand before the Lord and your life will play on the great LED screen of heaven once again. And you'll be judged for the good things that you've done. Now, the bad here, this is what's so crazy. Because here's how I think it's going to unfold. You're going to stand there and you're going to see the difference between me and someone that isn't repentant and hasn't loved the Lord. Of course, they're going to stand at a different judgment, the great white throne. And that's coming. We'll talk about that. But what's happening is your entire life, you go, oh man, I shouldn't have said that and, and, and all that stuff. Everything you've done, everything you've done will be, will be shown, will be recorded and then projected somehow in some sort of hologram. Your life will be presented and you're gonna be watching this with everyone else. I mean, your family's gonna be watching what you did when you're all by yourself, when you're alone, the things that you thought. Thoughts, words, and deeds. Thoughts, words, and deeds. And the things you should have done, the sin of omission, not just commission, the things you should have done that you didn't do. I mean, it's gonna be horrific. But at the end, then it'll be, why should you be allowed to enter into heaven? And the only answer is because of the blood of Jesus. It's not what you did, it's what he did, please. Well, because I prayed the prayer. I wouldn't even say that. Any sentence that starts with I in heaven, let's just, let's just, eh. Because of what Jesus, why, why should you? Because of what Jesus did for me. And so at that, boom, psh, it's all evaporated and then are left those things because wood, hay, stubble gets burned up and those things that remain, you're gonna be judged. That's, that's a very holy, fearful moment. But a good one for those of us who have not just prayed a prayer but lived a life of apprenticeship in the kingdom, yes? However, for the unbelievers, there's a different judgment for them. It's called the great white throne judgment. This is found in Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence. Can you imagine? The earth doesn't even wanna be around what's about to go down. The sky does not even wanna be around what's about to happen. There was no place for them. Then I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, the books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each per I mean, imagine falling overboard and from a ship and a shark eats you. God will find you. Your body will come back together and you will stand in front of the Lord to be judged according to what he has done, verse 14. Then death and Hades, at the very end of all this, are gathered up together and they are thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone's name not found in the book of life, he, she, was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus warned us. He said in Matthew chapter 25, he'll say to those on his left, depart from me. You are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. See, hell is not designed for you. We were designed to be with him in the garden. We were designed, you are, you are created, you are created to be with him. It's if you use your life differently than it's supposed to be used, then there's gonna be hell to pay.
I don't know if you've flown. I like to fly. Oh, I don't like to fly. I like to be wherever it is I get. When I get there, I don't like flying. I heard on the radio, I heard on the radio, radio, who listens to the radio? Are you old or something? I was listening to my, my, uh, my, uh, uh, NSA listening device. In, I mean, my, my Amazon dot in my house, I was listening. I asked it for the news this morning. And they said, there's an airline now that's gonna start weighing you. Yeah, yeah. Not only your suitcase anymore. I just flew on Frontier. It's not 50 pounds a bag anymore. Now it's 40 pounds a bag. And now they're gonna start weighing, not Frontier, I don't know, forget the airline, but they're gonna start weighing you. How intimidating is that? Step up. Sorry, you're over. You can, now you, you can't take 40 pounds. You can only take 25 pounds. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's crazy. But I do like to fly. I get to wherever it is that I'm going. And I, and I, and I was recently in an airport. And, I, of course, you have, uh, you, know, you have your ticket or you have your ticket, however that works. Gutenberg Digital, however you guys run with that. So you have your ticket. But here's the thing. Like, in the airport I was in in Mexico, they don't announce, they don't have where the flights go until like an hour before they take off. So there's no, you don't know what gate to go sit at. And um, I was thinking to myself, imagine this, you, you're gonna go see someone that you love. Think of the person you love the most on earth and you have a ticket to go see them. You haven't seen them like forever. And this is your only chance to see them. And you really desperately want to go see this loved one of yours. So you do what you have to do and you go through all the stuff you have to go through and you get your ticket and you get to the airport and all that's on there is just a seat. You have a seat reserved for you, but that's all. It doesn't say what time the flight takes off. But you know it's gonna be at that terminal, it's gonna be at that gate. But they're not going to announce when the plane will leave. Would you go ahead and just get on the plane so as not to miss the plane? Or would you just like fiddle around? Get a burger, get something from the pharmacy. Airport shopping is horrible. Paying 12 times more than you need to pay. So you're just wandering around. And you're just kind of biding your time, but you don't know what time the plane's gonna leave. There's the plane, I see it. There's the, there's the gate, there's the jetway, there's somebody there, and you can get on anytime you want, but they're not going to announce when it's pulling away. You know when they shut that door and the FAA says the door shut, you're not gonna get on that plane. That's death, ladies and gentlemen. The plane sits on the tarmac. We know where it's going and we know who we'll be with when we get there. You have a ticket, perhaps, but you don't know when the plane's gonna leave. I would submit to you, it'd be a good idea to go ahead and get on and wait for it to take off. I'm talking about death this morning. That leaves us a choice. Fly home to meet your loved one. Heaven is the analogy. Or not, but the plane will leave. He's warned you, you should be ready. So get on the plane. In 2 Thessalonians chapter one, it says, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. Do not obey the gospel. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel. You notice there's, there's an and, there's a conjunction there. 
It's just about knowing God, but you got to obey the gospel. You've got to be a disciple. You got to do more than just say, oh, I prayed a prayer and I go to Destiny Church. Well, congratulations. Are you practicing for the marathon? Do you know? Verse nine, they'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Every decision that we have to make is, is, a, is a crossroad. And I like the, the analogy of a cross. The crux of the matter, the Greek word C-R-U-X, crux, means cross. The crux of the matter, the cross of the matter where these things intersect. Every decision that you make as you move through life is a continuing fork in the road, a continuing cross. You have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Should I do this or should I do that? Should I move there? Should I take this job? Should I buy this land? Should I marry this person? And every one of those is, is, a, is, is, a, is a way in which you make a decision. Listen to me, young people. You have lots more decisions. than some of, some of these people can't go back and redo it. You have a chance. Make good decisions up front. Okay? So, so you're going through life and you're making these decisions. Oh, and that's a lot of pressure. WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? I'm going to take issue with WWJD because you're not Jesus. You have to ask yourself, what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if I were him? In other words, what would Jesus do, say, Pastor Devin trying to make a decision? Well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if he were me? If, how old are you? 24. 24 years old, blah, 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 blah. What would Jesus do if he were me in this situation? And so these are the choices you're going to have to make. Some of the choices are really hard choices because your flesh says, I wanna do this, that's gonna feel good. Everybody else is doing that. It looks cool to do that. But at the end of the day, this is what you're left with. If you promise not to drop this, we'll pass this around. It's quite, this is actual size. So this is a, this is a replica. So this is actual size of what your head is without skin on it. So when you look at that, you're looking at yourself. I don't care how beautiful you are, that's what you look like when you die. When the worms come and eat you. One choice leads to eternal life. The other leads to eternal death. Like any traveler, you gotta choose a destination. Where are we going? I don't know. Back in the day, we had roadmaps. Anybody old enough remember a roadmap? That's crazy. Well, if you choose the wrong path, you end up in East St. Louis, I mean, hell. I'm sorry. And I thought about hell a lot 
as I, as I, I, you know, when you preach on death, I mean, that's something. Hell is darkness, it's suffering, it's physical, psychological torment, it's isolation, it's despair, it's separation from God, hopelessness, inescapable. Well, I'll get out, I'm smart. No, you're not gonna get out of that one. And, and, and you will be, this is, this is really, get your mind around this, you will be unable to repent because you will drop through the bottom of the funnel. Your decision has already been made. When you pass through the slit in the curtain, you don't get a second chance. You're not in purgatory waiting for your aunt to give an extra $20,000 to church to get you out. Or a few more Hail Marys or, or Our Fathers get you out of there. No, that's a ploy to extort you. It's okay. I'm not here to make friends. Trust me, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to tell you the truth. That's all I want to do is tell you the truth. The chasm is, 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 is deep. There's no hope. Only despair, flames hotter than any earthly inferno. They lick the bodies of the damned, searing their flesh forever, unending anguish, no reprieve, no hope. The air reeks with decaying flesh, a putrid stench that clings to your soul. Rivers of molten lava churn and bubble, carrying with them the mutilated and charred remains of the damned whose flesh is forever consumed by flames, never to go out. Well, I'll just burn up. No, you will continually burn. You're not consumed. The damned have festering wounds, maggots writhing, feasts upon your decaying flesh. I mean, I tried to write, I mean, that's a PG version. I don't know where your mind goes. That's the PG version of what hell is like. Well, I don't know. You may have said it. I said it when I was young and dumb. I'm gonna go to hell. All my friends are gonna be there. We're gonna party. Yeah, anybody? Honest hand to heaven who said that being stupid and young. Yeah, sure. Four, Four more of you are honest enough to say, you would have hung out with me. That's not how it goes down. Eternal separation from everything that is good. No pleasure. I once had a thought. I once had this thought. When you go to hell, you can't even sit down. I'll just take a load off. You're not gonna be able to sit down. Well, I'll make a chair. Out of what? Out of what? But if you die in the Lord, eternal joy, fulfillment, perfect peace, light, the presence of God, reunion, the plane takes off and you see those who went before you. You're in service to the king. You worship everlasting life. But there's no second chances. Death will seal your fate. Well, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna get sick and I'm gonna be on my deathbed for you know long enough to repent. I don't know that that's gonna be the opportunity that you have. Are you, willing, are you willing to roll the dice on that? 
when the number one number was the number three cause of death is accident. Whether it's where's Nick? Nick hit his thumb. I've hurt myself. You fall downstairs. You whatever. It's like I wasn't planning on that, but it just happened. Boom, done. I'm not trying, listen, I'm not, if anything, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to just like bring something to you that is not in our culture today. The only thing you know about death is that Stab sends you something in the mail when you get my aid saying, have you pre-planned your funeral? That's all you get to know about death. And as someone who has brought out the little black book and officiated scores of funerals, you really don't know till you sit in that little room with that undertaker and he starts talking about how much the, the, the coffin's gonna cost and how much it's gonna cost to open the grave and how much a headstone's gonna cost and all this other kind of stuff. That's just, that's just the beginning. Then you, then, oh, there's so much. I mean, in this culture, as opposed to other cultures. I was in Africa and a little girl had died and the parents had no money to bury her. So they put her in the front yard and covered her with dirt. And they put a little white porcelain cup on the top of that mound of dirt that was not even as high as this table for anybody that would walk by and have sympathy enough to throw a coin into that cup so they might have enough money to bury their daughter. It's happening every day. Yesterday morning, I was driving out, is it Oak Lawn? Oak Lawn, Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge, there by the, on Route 29. Open, open grave, somebody else is getting buried today. We don't like to talk about it. Gives us the heebies, the heebie-jeebies. But to the extent that you're willing to stare at it and look at it, at that skull, and the reality that you're gonna die should bring a little bit of sobriety to your life that says, am I prepared for that flight? I might have a ticket, but am I, am I running around the airport or am I serious about my relationship as an apprentice? Heaven and hell, death is coming as sure as seasons are changing. What a cliche. How about this? On March 19th, spring will be here whether you want it or not. On March 19th of this year, spring will be here. At least you'll know in advance that it's coming. Just like your death is coming, you know. But on March 19th, whether you want it or not, whether you've lived a healthy life and you're on the treadmill at 4.30 a.m. every day, you will die. Eat your granola, that's great. Be healthy, that's wonderful. But none of that is an insulator for the ultimate drop through the bottom of the funnel. You're all gonna die. Sure as the sun sets. At five, I checked, it's 5.30 today. Well, I'm young. Yeah, young people die all the time. I buried them. I buried babies. I buried infants. None of us, none of us. I may not be, listen to this. How fun would this be? You play this, you play this at my funeral if I die this year. 
Pastor, you're not gonna die this year. I could die this year. I could die this year. Don't cry for me. You can be sad that I won't be around, maybe. But don't cry for me. I'll be in a much better place. The hourglass that God has determined for you only has a certain number of grains of sand. When you walk through that curtain, it's your curtain call. And here's my final thought. Worship team, come on back, if you would, please. I wanna sing that last song you just did again. Can you do that, please? If you remember the list, if you remember the list that I showed you at the very beginning, do you remember what the number one cause of, of death was? Heart disease. And I would submit that's still the same problem today, except it's spiritual. Spiritual heart disease. So how do we go through our life? I'm gonna to submit to you that there's two ways to go through life. And you have a choice, and you can pick either one. For quite a while, you may have done one, and now you're beginning to believe in the other. But I see this more and more, and young people especially. Please, when you die, and most likely I will have something to do with, be around, I might go to your funeral, I might officiate your funeral. Please give me something nice to say about you. I will not say, he was certified in Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. Why? Is because when we stand over that six foot hole, we wanna know not about your resume. Live, here's what I'm trying to say. Live your life for a eulogy, not a resume. Live your life for a eulogy, not a resume. What, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying go for it, go big, do your business, all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, no one's gonna stand over your six foot hole and tell everybody what a great programmer you were. They wanna know about you, your life, and what did you give? How did you serve other people? Because why? Because you were an apprentice, you were a disciple. You were more than somebody who just said a prayer and in lip service only was a Christian. America is filled with people who are lip service only Christians. Are you a biblical? Are you an apprentice? Do you really walk with Jesus? Those are the things you should be living for. And they come into crystal clear focus when you bend your knee with the light of the word and, and, and one eye on the word and one eye on your future. And will that be in heaven? Will that be in hell? Where will you spend the rest spend? Where will you be for eternity? Let me just say one last thing. We all will be eternal. The question is whether you'll be eternal torment, eternal death or eternal life. We are eternal beings. You just happen to have a body right now for 80, 90 years, whatever. You just happen to have a body. You're a spirit who happens to have a body, not a body who happens to have a spirit. That's countercultural, but it's the reality. That's why I want to talk to you about death. I want to talk to you about death because it's such a part of life. Live your life. Live your life for your eulogy, not your resume.
This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.